Mood.tv Welcome, welcome back, everybody, to Let Me Ask You a Question. This week, we've got John Lulo. He's a producer of TV and film, and he also heads up Crush Pictures, which is part of Crush Music, and they manage the likes of Sia, Lord, Weezer, etc. You get, you catch my drift. It's a big, it's a big situation they got going over there. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, this is oh, this is my favorite kind of episode. <laughs> when you start, when you start in that way. Welcome, John. Thank you. John, you have beautiful teeth. Oh, thanks so much. So I turned 38 last June, and this was well into the pandemic, and I got pretty fucking, like, real loose, you know, by, like, month two into the pandemic, where just drinking every night, doing whatever, and then finally my birthday came up, and I was like, I think the best thing I could do for myself is go hard on the teeth, and then just get back into, like, a regimen. So I, I, I actually, I, I uh, floss every night. Yes. Which is crazy. Something that no one, I mean, they always tell you to do, but no one fucking does it. But it's kind of a game changer once you start flossing daily. You, you notice it. Can we go back to how you were going hard on your teeth? What did you do to go hard on your teeth? <laughs> go hard on the teeth. You gotta, you know, take care of the teeth because you're getting old and then you probably should Oh, I thought you were like, before I go good on the teeth, I'm going to just ruin them. I thought you were like <laughs> coffee and glass and chewing curbs and. Munching on aluminum foil, like all the all the fun stuff, doing dip. <laughs> That's what you do in quarantine. You line up all the stuff that can be hard on the teeth. Got to teach them a lesson before I give them some TLC. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? It paid off, John. You have lovely teeth. I was thinking about that before we started recording, but wanted to save it for the world. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, that's what a, a year of going hard will do. Well, it doesn't look, it looks like you treated them with sweet velveteen gloves. <laughs> All right. And we got producer EJ5000. I'm going to go hard on my teeth in the opposite direction. I'll let you know my regiment in about a week or two if I have any left. <laughs> and Gregor Man. Uh, I'll say I have about 750 watermelon candies from the Netherlands that I can send you to help you out, EJ. They're, they taste fantastic and I can only imagine they're doing terrible things to my mouth. Well, Believe it or not, to look at my grill, and you are seeing it super zoomed up. Ugh. <laughs> I, uh, it's looking I, nice from here. Well, I was going to say it doesn't look great. Yeah, it doesn't look great. It doesn't look great. It's got that nice rat poison look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it does look like. That's what, and, and that's what flossing has done for me. Dude, you were at least the responsible one doing it. I was the one lying to my dentist for years. <laughs> yeah, of course I'm flossing daily, you fucking asshole. You know, but you weren't. No one. No one but you were. Yeah, but you were playing a spy game because your dentist was like, he might be because your teeth are beautiful. It's all mental. <laughs> yeah, you were playing mental games, whereas I, I, couldn't put, I couldn't put that past my dentist for a second. And I do floss. <laughs> it, it's a bad scene. Uh, okay, well, I have prepared a question for Let Me Ask You a Question, the podcast. And here is the question. When you find yourself to be a drinking person, do you feel as though as the drinking goes on, you become more yourself 
Oh man, we're getting right into this. Or less your Greg. Okay, well, I'll preface this by saying Greg and Man knows this rhymes with our last episode. We broached this subject a little bit for a second, but I wanted to follow up. He actually shot us down from talking about it because he really wanted to ask this as a whole episode. <laughs> when one drinks, do they become more themselves or less themselves? And why or what are your feelings about that? I feel like it's a bell curve. You're probably more yourself to a point and then you get real fucked up and you're probably not so, you know, like because DJ has been around me. I'm probably more myself when I drink. Right. I would say uh, I, I'm going to let you keep talking before I give my opinion. <laughs> oh, oh, the, hesi- the hesitation. I, I would say that uh, I think it is at least as far as I go. Give me six, seven, eight, you know, on a nice day or afternoon. I'm I'm riding high as John Lulo. <laughs> You know, breach, breach above that. I turn into someone else. So <laughs> I mean, hey, even though it doesn't, you know, I, I actually take that back. I'm pretty fucking chill in my old age. I know how to party. I, yeah. I kind of I try to do the uh, I try to live by the Bill uh, Murray kind of way of life. Do you ever hear about his drinking, how he drinks? Oh, no. Tell me. No. So this is his this is his move. And this has inspired me. Um, you know, I kind of at least I, I follow it. But he likes to get a garbage bag. And he'll buy a case of champagne. And this motherfucker fills the garbage bag full of ice, puts all the <laughs> bottles and champagne in there, and he takes a glass and will scoop the ice and pour champagne on it. So he says he gets hydrated as he's drinking it all day. Nice. But his thing is, he doesn't try to get fucked up. He just tries to toe the line and ride the line all day long. Yeah, that's what you got to do. I will say, when I was younger, I used to be like, I got to get fucked, right? And you'd go so hard. Until you get fucked up. Now I like to toe the line Murray style. Uh, I don't drink my garbage bag champagne, but I, I live the life. <laughs> so I get shit, but I switched to Coors Light pretty pretty recently. That's because I got shit to do. I can't be drinking those those originals all day. I got, I'm going to drink all day. That's right. But I'm going to, you know, by the end of the day, I'll have a case done. But at least I, I got shit done, too. You know, so I'm with you. I agree. I think uh, getting older, you learn how to functionally party, which is probably where people will cut off to uh, you know alcoholism and addiction and then there's the ones of us who escaped it who are barely hanging on by a thread but in our heads we're great <laughs> greg man what do you think no i mean hey i i think i teased this last episode but i 100 agree with that bell curve and i think it's a it's definitely a a moving curve oh yeah um definitely based on what you're saying because it's even in that last episode i, I was telling anthony before we started recording i he was wasted when we started the episode. So I did my best to try to like drink to catch up to him. Right. Naturally. And I was like, by the episode, I was like, I feel like I have a good buzz going by the end of the episode. And then when we finished, I realized I, I got, I just continued to get more and more loaded. And I was like, <laughs> this just brought me back to like the old days where I like drank too much, felt like I was in a good spot. And then all of a sudden you just go blast off to the moon Ooh, afterwards. Right. Cause you're like, really, well, that's I, like, I'm in a great spot. I got to keep going as hard as I can. Yeah. 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 I can't stop. I, we stopped and I, I had a lot of scotch and I was like, I, well, I'm going to drink the rest of this. I'm not going to like pour it out. And then it was just like bad news. I had to <laughs> take care of the baby at one point in the night. It was, <laughs> that'll do it. It was a whole thing. But like, there's that cliff though that you hit. And when you hit that yeah. cliff, you, that you are then no longer yourself. And I know we talked about, somebody who maybe doesn't drink at all are they more themselves and i was like i think they are more themselves but their cliff is a lot sooner it's it, it's a straight shot up and a straight shot right back down the backside right so it's just like you said it, it depends on experience but i think you are definitely more yourself when you're drinking until the ledge comes and then 
then it's whoever you are afterwards. <laughs> right, exactly. Here's the tricky thing, though. Once you reach the... I do agree. I agree that there's a buildup to the ledge in which you are kind of familiar with yourself. And then you hit the ledge, and there's this hole beyond the ledge that oh, yeah. you, you do not know about. And so <laughs> what, I, what I'm wondering is that, is it, is it possible that you hit the ledge and then you become fully yourself, <laughs> but you don't know it? It's very possible. I mean, that's the nightmarish version of it, right? Like that that's actually you. Hey, yeah, this is the hellscape. Yeah. So just join me in the hellscape. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to be real lame about this. And people, you're going to love and hate this, but like. I actually think that we have different versions of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So true. I'm going with that first off. So, you know, we're not one person. So sometimes when I drink, I'm grumpy. And sometimes when I drink, I'm happy. I see that. No, I get that. It depends on what version of myself that I am to begin with. But then I agree with your guy's bell curve. But then like you're saying, once we get to the, the next level, like once you hit blackout drunk, that's really who you might be where you're not interfering with who you are. You know? So <laughs> totally. that's that's the real you. And I don't think that that person ever has a good or bad day. That person is pure. You're always that same person when you're yes. there. Well, they're like a thing. They're like they're like a, a, an animal. Like at, at the point that you are totally blacked out, you become an object for the world to behold. Yeah. You are no longer subjective. You are you become objects. Yes. You are one with reality or whatever. And, and in those yes. Yeah. yes, you join reality. It's Zen in a sort of horrifying way. Totally. And, and in those cases, I, 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 I seem to have been a nice guy. Uh, it's worked out most of the time for me. So thankfully, I guess that my purest self is a good self. And that's who I'd like to imagine that I am. Uh, a, a story that I remember, I've only been in that situation a few times. And one time I was staying over at John's uh, apartment way back in the day, back in the New York City days. And um, I was out drinking in the city blacked out don't remember how but I I was at there I arrived at their place and I woke up and and Jinda John's roommate said that I had slimed his dresser so apparently I had somehow slimed. threw up but it was clear Ooh. and I threw up all over his keys and wallet and everything Ooh. and he said it was just like a clear liquid he cleaned it up and didn't even wake me up it was like that was one of the nicest things anybody's ever done for me yeah. so I don't know so I guess Blackout me is nice, but also throws up slime. <laughs> Do you leave notes for yourself? Notes? Oh, wait, hold on. Tell me about the notes. <laughs> oh, my God. I leave notes for myself uh, when I get blackout. Oh, that's actually really nice. But it's strictly for my self-confidence the next day, because you know how, like, even if you were completely alone by yourself and you blackout, you wake up and you feel like you, like, cheated on your wife the next day? Absolutely, because you don't know. <laughs> Just, like, your emotional state of fragility, right? And you're like, what the fuck happened, right? So what I started doing is writing myself notes so that I could feel, like, relief when I wake up. And the last one I had, it was, like, hey, John, it's you, John. You did great tonight. Don't worry about it. And then I woke up the next day and I was like, oh, thank God. Okay, I'm good. Yeah, but what if you're a liar? Yes, what if there's a world in which you write, you didn't do it? Yeah. <laughs> and then you hear the police knocking at your door. Maybe that's a new murder mystery <laughs> starring Rami Malek. I mean, yeah, yeah, he would definitely be the person. That's for sure. All right, but here's another question, though, because I think you're onto something, EJ, in so much as whatever mood you were in before the heavy drinking gets magnified like do you feel as though no matter what state you're in beforehand that's the you sometimes it's subconscious though because like sometimes there's something that's been on the back of my mind i could have had like a great day but if there's something that's like i'm not paying attention to it will come out 
sometimes for me then. Because uh, I think like it does, it's it's like it, it lets out your inhibitions, right? So yeah, 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 something that I'm not willing to engage with in my regular life, sometimes it'll just bring it to the forefront. And the more that I'm not wanting to deal with it, usually the more aggressively it comes out. Mm-hmm. So so that's that's sometimes a thing, you know? Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a like a tiger in, in a cage. But not 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 necessarily that I'm aggressive. No, of like course. If, if it's something that, you know, I don't want to deal with, then like when it does come out, I'm like, ah, you yeah, know, like, yeah, it gets you. But if it's something that I do want to deal with, it's usually just like fun and playful, you know? So it's right. like the more that I don't want to deal with it, the more that when it does come <laughs> like out, now, like, now we're fucking here. So let's do this. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to be blackout drunk here in an hour. I'm not going to remember any of this. Might as well get to it before then. <laughs> I can leave a sweet note about it to myself. Have you ever had a night though, where you started drinking and you were like, this is not the night for drinking. And then that side of you is the side that does predominate. Like you are proven to be right after the fact and you don't remember it. <laughs> but it turns out you are absolutely correct in thinking this is not the night you should start drinking <laughs> because it's not a good night. I think you all need medication because I feel like I don't I, I'm on it and I, I feel like I don't have those moments anymore. But it's just because I, I have a med- medical baseline now. Right? Yeah. And it just keeps me snapped to that no matter what's going on in my life or my brain. Yeah. I think I need something to tether me to the line. I'm in. I don't want to think about my problems. Right. Let's yeah. do that. Seems like an SSRI is in order for you guys here. Dr. John is in. Write me a script, bro. Man, I'm like the biggest fan of uh, of fucking brain meds, man. I was like actively against them when I was younger. but. My life would have been a hell of a lot better if I started medication when I was in like my teens versus my thirties, you know? It gets you out of your own way. Yeah. Like that's, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. For sure. Absolutely. Well, we'll take a break now and I'll crack another beer to think about it. And on the break, we're going to listen to the track Triple Black from John's band Down to Earth Approach off of their 2004 album, Another Intervention. And we will, we will be right back. Drives your friends crazy Can you still hear it? Or is it dead tonight? Did the Was triple black from John's band Down to Earth Approach from their 2004 album Another Intervention. And we're back. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to that wonderful music that was music. <laughs> so, John, we met we met a couple years back, and uh, I met you when you were a young lad, and you had just gotten your first big break. May I call it that? Your first big break? Yeah, it was, it was the first of a couple breaks, but yes, I agree. I agree with you. I think, at least in my management career, absolutely. And and what was that, if you don't mind telling the audience? Well, I uh, managed Train from the album that Hey Soul Sister was on until like three or four years ago. Oh damn! But yeah, it was it was a very long time. It was like ten years I was working with them. I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, man, it was a, so 
basically the the company that I work with and that I've been working with primarily got big because of like Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, kind of that era originally. So Train was the first band that came to us that wasn't of that world and they wanted a new manage like new management. They liked the idea of going to like a place like us where it's kind of a little more punk rock and it's younger people and we're all in bands rather than some fucking old guy who, you know, which is like what their life was before. But I remember I went to lunch with Jonathan who was the, um, or is, what am I talking about? He's still alive. He's uh, <laughs> one of the, uh, the owners of Crush. And he basically was like, we're sitting there eating and he's like, what do you think about Train? A million things were going through my head, but we sat there and we were talking about radio and ticket sales. And I was like, okay, well, they've had three big fucking hits, right? And they, even without a current hit at the time, could sell a lot of tickets. Not not even close to what it is now, but it was a lot. And then they did a shitload of private shows. So for like banks or fucking insurance companies or whatever, when they're like, we want to have our, you know, yearly thing, they throw shitloads of money at these bands that are primarily more family friendly because that's kind of what these events are which train is like perfect right so tra- mm-hmm, yeah. train would do a shitload of privacy here and i'm like okay all this makes sense they just need a current song to be current and so you know i got really kind of into the idea uh of doing it and i I managed, I don't even know how, I managed to kind of like work my way in. Because you were what, 26, 25? Yeah, probably probably 25, 26. Yeah, that's about right. But it was super, it was one of the best kind of things I could have pursued because they, you know, obviously blew back up with Hey Soul Sister. And we had a string of real big hits on the radio. And it just taught me a lot about doing Something that was successful, which I didn't have any idea what that was like because I did my own band stuff, right? Uh, (laughs) I was a band guy. Well, because you were a a GD baby, man. 25, 26 years old. No, of course. That's crazy. And I didn't like have any fucking idea what I was doing. To the credit of Jonathan and and everyone else at Crush that kind of like took a chance of hiring me, I didn't know what I... I fucking bullshitted my way in just the way everyone else did and I figured it out. (laughs) But... That was a great opportunity to learn. We we got them to a point where they're headlining sheds, and and that's like between you know fifteen and thirty thousand people a night, and and they're playing a shitload of private shows, and I'm meeting all of these people I wouldn't normally meet because of these things. So it, I, I loved the idea that it put me in this world that I never had access to before, and I wouldn't normally have access to because I was in like this punk emo band. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a very cool experience, and it. It kind of was what led me to film because I always kind of knew I wanted to get there eventually. But after a bunch of years with Train, I was like, okay, well, I obviously know how to manage a multi-million dollar a year business. And I know how to deal with these crazy ass budgets. And I know how to deal with timelines and personalities. And it's kind of exactly what I do now, honestly, on a much smaller scale now, but, but it prepared me for all of these different skills that I wouldn't have probably sharpened otherwise not working with a band like that. And they're fucking great guys. It's nonstop dick jokes with those guys. Don't it, <laughs> like, so like what one thing I learned at crush, there was a, a, this producer, Sam Hollander told me that 
The friendlier and shinier the band, the darker the people. <laughs> so that very much applies with Train. Uh, Pat is a dark motherfucker, and he is funny as fuck. And you would never expect it from this guy. But but yeah, it was a it was a super great experience, and I'm glad I did it. You know, I learned a ton. I wouldn't be kind of where I am now. That's unbelievable. Yeah, and I gotta I gotta thank you too because you directly hooked me up with some of my, my biggest stories ever was I remember I was back in uh, li- living with my parents and you gave me a call. It was like either the day before New Year's Eve or two days before. And you're like, what are you doing on New Year's? Oh, yeah. And I was like, nothing, <laughs> man. I'm going to wash the ball drop with my parents or something. And you're like, you want a guitar tech for Courtney Love's band tonight in, in the city at the ho- at this hotel? And I was like, all right. How was that, by the way? Was it fine? You came out okay. You're sane. It was fine. <laughs> Goody was, happened to be renting a room in that building that night. <laughs> so that's how it went. It was kind of it was kind of amazing. <laughs> um, Good. All right. Yeah. So the audience won't know about that, and they don't need to. But it was a great night. Yeah. And so they, it was it was completely fine and awesome. And then also I got to guitar tech for the the gym class heroes for a short time, which was pretty cool. Got to go to South by Southwest because of that. Oh yeah, that's right. And that was really amazing too. So just thank you for those great opportunities. And of course, man. And you're a solid dude, and you deserve all the success that you've got. And I hope that you have a lot more. And you have beautiful teeth. Thanks, man. I I like to implement my friends wherever I. Can just because it's it's so much more fun when you like everyone you're working with around you and you can like that trust. is definitely true yeah and like you could trust you know vouching for someone to go do a thing and you know they're gonna do a good job and everyone's gonna like hanging out and that's not always true with everyone you it's know? the most true thing in the world I come from the world of theater so it's different but the same I feel like a lot of showbiz is the same yeah and yeah. and now I've gotten to the point where. I really tend to not do gigs in which I don't think I'm going to have a good time. Absolutely. And it comes down much more to the time I'm going to have. Even if even if the product might not be as good, it doesn't matter because I'm having fun. And it's much, much more important. What I've learned, too, is that if you find like your people, even if you're at a disadvantage because of whatever, like experience or anything, you're probably going to get further with the thing than you would with a bunch of fucking tools that you hate and you don't want to put in the thing, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. It's just like, I think it's important to like find your friends and your people and whatever you're doing and like build your own community because no one's like really trying to help anyone. And that to me is sad because there's plenty of shit to go around for all of us. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. I feel like it's kind of my my responsibility to to help out when I can of like giving deserving people even dumb shit like that. So it's my pleasure too. I'm happy to. Oh, <laughs> dumb shit like Courtney Love. Not, not, not dumb shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not a real thing. I got you. It's a night. No, but it was amazing. And I appreciate it. But yeah. it's also a, a fun night. And a story yeah. that I milk and will until the day I die. <laughs> I will say she's very, very fucking fun. <laughs> uh, I have endless stories because of her. She's everything you could hope her to be. Oh. <laughs> so I'm glad, but I'm glad it was a good experience. Because it, it, the pendulum swings both ways. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. We we interacted yeah. for maybe three and a half minutes, really. Like, it wasn't really, you know, right. it's very that's, professional. Hey, man, that's, that's, you did good. <laughs> you made it through the three and a half minutes. <laughs> to get it back, we are going to turn now back to the question of hammeredness and how your personality changes or doesn't change with hammeredness. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. You almost got that out too. You were hammered. I got it out. I got it out. You're going to find when you're editing that I got it out. 
when you're editing, I'm going to have it out so good. I can't wait until it's a full-on voiceover of me saying the things I was trying to say in that in that time. And hopefully it's the voice of Ronald Reagan. Uh, okay, here's the deal. My, my opinion has been changed a little bit. Because here's the thing. When I was, I say that all the time. All here's the time. The, here's, the here's, here's the thing. All right, I'm just going to point it out that I do say that all the time. Okay, so here's the thing. When we were starting, I did feel as though once you tip the point, because I totally agree there's there's a bell curve, and once you get to that, there's a great beyond that you don't know about. And in the in light of this conversation, what I thought originally is once you get beyond the bell curve that you are just totally yourself, you become almost an object. You become this thing that is yourself that you can't even control because it's the most you that can be. However, my opinion has changed and I might sneeze. <laughs> I'm not going to sneeze. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So here's my new opinion. My new opinion is that... It actually is determined only by your mood. And that's a really interesting thought. I, 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 I really wasn't thinking about that earlier. And, and maybe I'm just an idiot. But it turns out, I think there is something to be said for the fact that no matter how hammered you are, whatever evening that is, is only determined by how it goes before. And I think actually, and it's funny that I haven't thought about this because I think about this all the time with theater, because I wonder if theater critics come to shows because I have literally been part of shows that are ruined by critics and, and, and it changes the opinion of the show. But they could have been suffering from indigestion and they were not happy that night. Very true. Yeah. And so I think there is something to your state, your mood going into the state of no return. Basically treat everything like you're eating so, mushrooms is what you're trying to say. Yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah be, be in a good mood. I think there's a state of no return. I think we all agree that there is some kind of point of no return in drunkenness. But I will say that if you approach the point of no return from a point of real negativity, then that will be the end. And if you... If you approach it from a point of positivity, then that will be the end. And I think that's that played out, I think, generally in my life, because generally, thank hand to God. <laughs> Thankfully, I think when I'm past that point, the stories I hear about Anthony <laughs> generally seem to be that I was really having fun. <laughs> I was like, I was really enjoying life. That's all you can hope for. <laughs> and I think that's a good thing. But I mean, I think that is the point though. I think that it's different depending on how you enter that state. Yeah. I agree with that. So then would you say your truest self is, is like EJ said, it it's based on yourself at that time because there are many selves of you. Like, of yeah, you. I think that's true. Yeah, like I'm sure if you're getting hammered with people you don't like, you're going to have a worse time. The, the you that comes out when you're with people you don't like is going to be a worse you than ones when you're hanging out with people you do. Well, maybe. I don't know. that. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. You'll have a hell of a lot better time, though. Better time. Exactly. And if you're having a better time, then you'll probably be a quote unquote better person. But that's only because you're a reflection of your mood. You know, right. I'm in a better mood because I'm with better people. It's how you're reflecting off of other people. Yeah. That makes me feel better about generally being a more positive person. Yeah. It makes me like you less because I'm miserable all the time. So go fuck yourself, Greg. <laughs> yeah. But when we both got blackout drunk at the same time, I bet I brought you up more than you brought me down. <laughs> 
That's a sick burn, man. <laughs> we'll have to have a yin yang battle of your positivity versus my cynicism and see who comes out on top. <laughs> That's a positive burn. But that'll be a fun night for both of us, at least for me. I would like to be the arbiter that night. <laughs> I mean, I have nowhere to go but up. I'm already in a bad mood. Greg's the one who's going to lose. That's not true. You never actually, you you always seem like, you, you always like say you're in a bad mood, but you never seem like you're in a bad mood. Oh, you're sweet. Oh, no, I'm not sweet. <laughs> I'm actually brutally honest. And so this is good. I, I like, I would tell you if you were not like that. I think I agree. I've never not had a good time getting wild with you, my friend. You're, you're never in a shitty mood. Oh, it's the truth. Yeah. Oh, cheers to all y'all. Likewise, love y'all. This is awesome. You're also the kind of guy, I hope your family's not listening, who like just randomly has drugs in your pocket. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be like, oh shit, I've got like fucking four tabs of acid in my pocket. And you're like, what the, let's do it. That was, those those were the days. (laughs) When you say let's, it only means you and your multiple personalities. And that's about right. We're all left with open hands and you're just like, nope, they're gone. (laughs) Well, that's a wonderful place to end this episode of Let Me Ask You a Question. John, if if the good folks that follow Let Me Ask You a Question wanted to find you, where could they do that? You can maybe find me on Instagram. Uh, I think my handle is jlulo, J-L-U-L-L-O. And you got any projects coming up that people should hone in on? I got a bunch. So thing I'm very excited about, I produced this girl named Hannah Marks' new movie, and she's great. The movie's fucking awesome. That's premiering at Tribeca in June. Nice. Uh, I'm making a doc with the B-52s and MRC. What? I have a doc called Resonator, which is like about a keyboard and this girl's relationship with her father. And then I'm trying to make two narrative features also this year. So it's lots of shit. But uh, it's all good stuff, man. Wow, that's awesome. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. You have to come back real soon. Of course. Thanks for waiting for me to change my tires, guys. I appreciate it. Oh, it gave me the opportunity to be more myself, it turns out. (laughs) And thank you for being 95% Anthony on this. (laughs) You're going to get the last 5% next time you come on the show. And if you are interested in Let Me Ask You a Question on the podcast or want to comment on this episode or respond to other episodes or ask us questions, you can send us a text at 929-352-6173 or send us an email at letmeaskyouaquestionpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Insta or Twitter at Pod. You can send us messages there. You can let us know how you feel about our podcast. You can respond to our questions, which we would love. What we would really love is if people started writing in and telling us how they feel about the things we're talking about. And I would love to illuminate some of these things that we're talking about a little bit further with more opinions. That would that would really tickle me. They're feeling offense greatly. That's fine. And I would like that. If they were, if only they were being honest with themselves. That's, that's valid. So have a couple drinks, become more yourself, and send us send us a message that we can respond to. Or you can go to moot.tv. You can check out the other podcasts. Kyle Mocha won't shut up. The Derek D. Dozen. White Wasabi. 
And you can go and you can buy swag. Stuff we all get. I feel like he's, I feel like that last 5% is literally joining us right now. We just got it. Yeah. Also over on moot.tv, that's the web address, moot.tv. You can click on the shop link and buy all sorts of fun stuff to support the show. It's currently the best way except for clicking on any one of the episodes, clicking on that donate button and going over to coffee.com currently. Someday it's going to be Patreon or it might just be me staking money out of your wallet directly. Uh, also, you can we have a subreddit, so hit us up on Lamayak Pod there. And uh, yeah, just continue to listen to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell a friend. The best way to get involved is to hug someone and just say Lamayak Pod right in their ear. Not that way, but yeah, generally yes. Thanks for yeah, thanks for being here, John. It was so much fun, man. Kisses. Woo. Fuck you. I love all that. (laughs) (laughs) Until next week, just let me ask you a question. The podcast. Mood.tv. Yeah, that sounds like a like a tiger in, in a cage. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Oh, fuck you. <laughs>